0: Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Jan Eyre Trump is a historical novelist who loves spinning tales that at their core hunt for beauty even when it isn't pretty. She's the author of the just-released Shadows in the Mind's Eye and co-author of It's a Wonderful Christmas. She's also a book editor. She's published children's books. She lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan with her family, two crazy cats, and a slightly eccentric sheepdog. Jan Eyre, thank you for coming to the Storyteller's Mike this morning.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Grace. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, it's really an honor. And I went, wanted to say that when I was doing my research for today, somehow the idea of um, Virginia Woolf just kept coming up because in that bio that you have, it talks about doing everything right from your kitchen table. So let's just talk. And you know, Virginia Woolf, of course, is famous for the novel A Room of One's Own. So I was thinking, there you are at kitchen table. Let's just talk about all you do in terms of your day life and your nightlife at your kitchen table?
1: So um, first of all, I have to admit, right now I'm in my unfinished basement and this is not real. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. So there's my real life. <laughs> um, and I am sitting um, at what was actually my old kitchen table in the basement right now, um, just because it's a better environment for (laughs) recording. Um, But yeah, I have a very busy, very full life. Grace and I were talking just before we came on um, that May is kind of insanity when you have kids in school and all of the end of the year things. And so I'm juggling that and uh, my day job, I'm a book editor. And, um, of my writing and I'm, I'm trying to write a book right now. It is not going (laughs) well if I can't until June. Um, and then promoting shadows in the mind's eye. Um, and it's super fun to have all of those things going, but then there's just days where, um, I get outside my window of tolerance and I'm a little like, Oh my goodness, what am I going to (laughs) do? Um, And so I think everybody out there can probably identify with that real
0: people. Well, I like that we just got real right away on the storytellers, you know, and I love that the background is not real. So this is fabulous. Um, Let's talk about your journey to writing. Mm -hmm. You started out as a book editor and now you're writing. So what was that journey like for you?
1: Um, so I actually started in the publishing world in the marketing side. So I was running the marketing department and freelancing, um, for the acquisition side. We used to have slush piles, so anybody could send us anything. And I used to freelance read the slush pile because I have an English degree, um, Mm -hmm. and actually marketing, I have English and marketing, um, And then I started as an editor um, when, as strictly an editor, when my daughter was born 16 years ago, because it was something I could do from home. Um, And so I've been editing for 16 years. And at some point, um, my boss, my managing editor said to me, you should try writing a book. And so I wrote kids books at first, because that was the stage my kids were in. Um, But now that they're a little older, he was like, so where's the full length novel? (laughs) So um, Shadows in the Mind's Eye, which is the one that just released. um, With a beautiful
0: cover. Hold that up because I just think it's such a beautiful cover.
1: I'm like trying to figure out how to do this. I'm crazy over here. Um, But that is actually the second novel that I wrote. Um, So the first novel, um, it takes place in Burma during World War II. And it's just a little bit harder sell because of the location. Um, And so then um, I have an agent. I I went through the same process that everybody has to go through in order to be published. I got all kinds of rejections (laughs) from agents, um, from publishers. um, And then um, I ended up signing um, with Kregel. And it's been an amazing experience um, to be published. I love being edited, which... It's kind of a crazy thing to say, but it's getting the outside perspective that I know is so necessary. As an editor myself, I know it's really necessary and it just makes your book sparkle and shine. Um, It really does. And and
0: yours does sparkle and shine. I love, I'm just starting it, so I might be eight chapters in, but I love the way I'm so quickly engaged. So tell everybody about Shadows in the Mind's Eye because it's going to be a great read.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, So Shadows in the Mind's Eye um, is just post-World War II. It takes place in the hills of Arkansas. So the Ouachita Mountains are actually a part of the Appalachian uh, chain of mountains. And um, so what happens is Sam comes home from the Pacific and he has what we would now call PTSD. Back then they called it battle fatigue. And I always say it like you could take a nap and get all better. It's so dismissive. Yes. I hate that designation. Even saying it now, I like mm. um well it's, it's an
0: interesting uh, it's an interesting thing though too, because unlike today, soldiers went forever. They went for years. Now, you know, they go, they come home, they get deployed again. So they still have that time in theater, which is another term I hate. It's right. like, oh, I'm going to theater. But yes, that combat fatigue is
1: an important part of this story. Yeah. So go on. I'm... No, no, you're fine. So Sam comes home, he's got battle fatigue um, and he has a young family. So he's married um, and there is romance um, in it because when you, when he comes back, he and his wife, Annie assume that everything's going to go back to normal because what else would you assume at that point? Um, and it doesn't. Uh, and so it's them relearning to love one another is a big theme of it. But Sam is really broken. Um, And the area where the book takes place is Hot Springs, Arkansas. And during that time frame, (laughs) Hot Springs, Arkansas was the largest illegal gambling site in the nation. So you had gangsters from Chicago coming down, gangsters from New York coming down, but then you also had all of the Hollywood elite coming down. You had all of because of the hot springs there, you had all of the major athletic um heroes coming down. So Babe Ruth was one prior to the World War era, World War II era, but Babe Ruth was coming down. So it's this whole weird mix of people in this one small town in the Washita Mountains. So you have uh Sam coming home. He's got battle fatigue. He's, so he's kind of a little like he's reacting strongly to things and he's having nightmares and he starts seeing things up in the hills and nobody else sees it. And so you're kind of wondering, is it his battle fatigue that's making him really, really dangerous? Or is he actually seeing criminal elements up in the mountains? And so you don't know if Sam's the real danger to his family or if there's really criminal elements that are very dangerous for Annie and their little two, two year, three-year-old little girl. It's
0: so intriguingly told. And what I like is that you have the point of view of Sam and Annie, but you also capture beautifully, I think, that when something bad happens in a family, it, it could be the PTSD, it could be mental illness, it could be cancer. Everybody is sick, if you will. Everybody is affected. I used to say that when my mom had cancer, you know, obviously her journey was very different, but all of us got it, you know? So, how did two things? How did you pick that unique, intriguing spot? And then, how do you get that sensitivity to that everybody is so affected?
1: So, um, how I found the spot is kind of a funny, uh, funny story. So my really good friend, her name is Sarah DeMay. Um, she and I were chatting and I had the idea, basic idea for the book, but I needed a small town location. And I'm like, I don't know where to put it. You know, I not sure what I want to do with it. And she's like, well, I've got my, my family is from small towns in Arkansas. And I'm like, Arkansas is kind of a, unique place. So, and they literally, I was just looking to see if I still had the book. I don't have it next to me. They literally had a book of all of their history. (laughs) And it was like, this is kind of fantastic. So I read through the book and that's where I found Hot Springs. Um, And I hadn't had like the mob influence. I hadn't planned any of that until I got the location. So I had the issues of PTSD and the struggle there, but I didn't have the mob element until I had my my location. And that was a super fun find. Um, and then for the second question, like, how did I figure out the sensitivity? Um, so this book (laughs) has been kind of, it's a long time coming, um, because I started writing the book, um, Oh, gosh, it's been four years now that I started writing the book. I was about halfway through. And then um, my daughter, who was 12 at the time, um, got really, really sick. Like we almost lost her um, multiple times. <laughs> um, and the doctors didn't know what was wrong. They didn't know anything. Um, and so I have a little bit of childhood trauma, um, PTSD from my childhood trauma. And that all came roaring back for me. Um as I watched my my little girl fight for her life, you know? Um, and there's something to be said about the PTSD that comes from a caregiver that, that is, happens because you are in a place where you can't help somebody that you love um, and you can't rescue them. Um, and so a lot of Annie's experiences and how Annie deals with things um, come from the place where I was helping my daughter (laughs) and watching her go through things and just that uh, place where you desperately want to make it all better and you just want a magic wand and you want to wave it and you want to be done. And there's part of you that wants to walk away and there's part of you, the bigger part of you, that wants to stay. Um, and just all of those struggles, um, and then the PTSD from my childhood trauma is a lot of what Sam experiences, um, and so those those fears play in to his character. But then Annie actually has some childhood trauma too, <laughs> and so there's some of uh, there's some flavors of that in Annie's character. Um, so I finished the book about two years. After my daughter was out of the hospital for the last time, um, and so I was far enough away <laughs> that I could process a little bit more clearly. Um, and that's one thing I tell a lot of authors is sometimes it's really cathartic to write about something right away, to like journal about it and that type of a thing. But to also be careful to give yourself distance if you need to, if you're writing directly about something. Um, because other time, ty- otherwise you might re-traumatize yourself. My my um, therapist <laughs> is amazing. For anybody out there that struggles with PTSD, um, EMDR is fantastic. It's actually one of the few modern techniques that they have found works for battlefield um, PTSD. Even meds will help to some degree, but they don't help like they help your av- average person. Um, so it was interesting because I I wanted hope to be at the end of this book because I wanted everybody to see the hope that I have. Um, and so that was something that I researched really, really heavily because at that time they didn't have EMDR. They didn't have meds. They didn't have anything really yeah, right. to be really- Well, they didn't understand
0: it. You know, it was... It was battle fatigue. It was was battle fatigue. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm so glad you shared that part of the story because here on Storytellers, you know, we want to get to that story behind the story. And you bring that in through your writing in really gentle ways. I love that what you say about your work is that you look for the beauty in all things. How did you find that as your hook. And first of all, before we even go there, let's say that your daughter is doing really well now, and we can really celebrate that,
1: right? Yeah, she's doing phenomenally. She's a, an elite athlete. Um, she's an amazing student um, and a really good artist. So she's one of those overachievers that is just phenomenal. And she works really hard. She's doing really good. I'm so I'm so glad. And that,
0: you know, your journey wound up being about hope because of that. So now, how do you get to, I love that hook. I imagine everything you're going to write from now on will find somehow find that beauty, even when it's not pretty. So talk about both parts of those phrases.
1: Yep. So um, I am somebody that strongly believes that there is beauty in everything, Um, even when it's really hard to find. (laughs) And The thing is, is that sometimes beautiful things are ugly too. Um, And so when I originally, way back when I started blogging, my blog was Beautiful Ugly Me. And it's, there are beautiful things even when it's ugly and it's just me. Um, And so there are times when like, when my daughter was in the hospital where I, the only way I could survive was to find beautiful things while we were sitting in the hospital, while I was in uh, the pediatric ICU with her. And so it was crazy things like how the light hit the curtains. And there were really colorful curtains um, that they had in the pediatric ward. Um, And so I go out and purposefully search for things. And that's something I've done for years and years and years. Um, Popular psychology even says that gratitude (laughs) helps anxiety and depression and those types of things. So I'm somebody that strongly believes in counting your blessings. Um, and I don't mean that whole hashtag blessed drives me crazy. <laughs> um, I'm sorry for anybody that loves that. I'm sorry. We all have
0: our thing. It's okay, we all have our thing.
1: Um But to me, it's hard because am I, do I stop being blessed because my kid's in the hospital you know, um, and most people wouldn't see that as a blessing, but the fact of the matter is I would never choose the path that my daughter and I took, but on this side of it, I have a 16 year old daughter that comes home and talks to me that asks me for hugs that still wants me to talk her in at night. So we have a relationship that I have friends that are like, how do you do this? And I'm like, you don't want to take the path, but since we did, I'll take it. <laughs> You know what I mean? So it's finding those beautiful things, even when it isn't always pretty. Um, because life is hard. Life is hard. It's, it's such
0: a great life lesson. You know, I live in gratitude every day. And when I get myself screwed up, usually because, you know, the voice is in my head, not my characters. But yeah. when something takes me down that path, really, if we just can take the time to say, I'm okay. I'm safe. The light is coming in through the window. I, I love that. To live in gratitude is the biggest gift. And to try to find out, even in the darkest times, what mm-hmm. are the things where I am okay?
1: Yep. And
0: yep. to be grateful for those.
1: Yep. Uh,
0: no, oh, you, go ahead. No, please.
1: I was just going to say I have a practice where every morning I write three things that I'm thankful for. That's the first thing I do every morning. And it just helps anchor me in that focus for the rest of the day.
0: I have a friend who was in a dark place and she knew she was supposed to be grateful and she'd go to the beach and she would write down sand, 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 but that's all she'd see. And now she goes to the beach and she's like, sand, seashells, waves, ducks, birds, you know, it, it's a matter of how we look at the world. And sometimes we can only see that lo- you can only see sand and then. You begin to see other things you said two things earlier that i love that i think helps writers all the time you had two people who really propelled your own writing you had a boss who said okay it's time to write the novel (laughs) and then you had a girlfriend who said put it in
1: arkansas yeah how important is that process for (laughs) authors um very important um so i am somebody as an editor that I'm always telling my authors to be out there reading. Um, that is like always my first advice is read widely. And so not just your genre, but read everything and that you can get your hands on. That's good in a genre. So I read science fiction and fantasy and I read contemporary romance and I read, I read everything. Um, I read non, narrative nonfiction is one of my favorites. I read poetry before I start writing every time I, before I start writing. Um, and because it's such a sparse um, language and it's, it's every word matters. And that's what I want for my books is I want every word to matter. Um, and I read fantasy for, um, world building. And so I pick these different things that, um, help my, my writing grow in different areas. But then I also surround myself with people who can speak into my my life in general. Let's just be honest, um, not just my writing, because if you don't have people in your life that are um, have permission to speak into your life, then you're in an echo chamber and you lose the opportunity to grow and learn new things. And frankly, I'd rather be dead then. <laughs> if I stop growing and learning, it's not worth it. Um, because then it's boring, you know? Um, so I have, uh, my girlfriend, Sarah, um, who I bounce a lot of ideas off of. Um, I have a couple of writer friends. We, we use, we use modern technology. <laughs> we use Marco Polo, which is an app that is like a video chat. And then we also use Voxer, which is just um, audio. And it's like a walkie-talkie. It's kind of crazy. But you can leave the, the message, and then you can get back to the people as soon as you have a chance. And so we brainstorm that way, and I get feedback. One of my brainstorm partners lives in Australia. Um, and so it's it's a super fun way to do it. Um, a lot of people have people that read whole manuscripts for them. I don't have that. We're all just too busy. <laughs> to do that um but I do have like points where I check in with people um and I'll have friends or experts in a particular area read sections um and I really highly recommend that type of thing as well so where
0: can they find your book where can they find out more about you I can't believe our time is up I love chatting with you
1: today um, so i me hold the book up again. So this is shadows in the mind's eye. Um, it's available wherever books are sold. Um, if you're looking for a great place to pick it up, I think bookshop.org right now still has it on sale and they give 80% of their profits to indie stores, indie bookstores. So I always like to support my independent bookstores if I can. Um, so hop over there and grab a copy, but it is available on Amazon and, um, Barnes and Noble books, a million, um, Actually, in Barnes and Noble and Books a Million stores right now. Um, you can find me as long as you can spell my name, you can find me. <laughs> um, it's kind of my running joke because it is an unusual name. Um, but JanareTromp.com is my website. I'm on Instagram. Instagram is my happy place. I'm a photographer too. So you'll see a lot of cool um, me searching out the beautiful even when it isn't pretty, um, on Instagram. Um, if you're a writer, I give a lot of writing tips on Twitter. You can pop over there. I'm Janair Tromp there, um, and pretty much everywhere else, too. So, Janair, thank you for being with me today. I loved hearing about your story. Thank you so much for having me,
0: Grace. This has been a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. Thanks for being with me. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.